Hello and welcome to Top Landing Gear Full Flaps, episode four, Red Arrows. This is our full interview with squadron leader Dave D.T. Thomas, ex-Red Arrow synchro lead. He joined the Royal Air Force in 1988 as an airman and progressed to pilot and joined the Reds from the Harrier Force, where he had excelled as a qualified weapons instructor, undertaking Red selection in 2001. In our interview, he chats to the whole Top Landing Gear team all about a tour with the Red Arrows, including selection, the workup, displays, world tours, and what happens when things go wrong. Now, I have to admit, things did go a little wrong with this podcast. We couldn't use the software we usually use, and Dave had to be just on his phone. So it does sound in parts like we're talking to Dave, and he's still in his Red Arrow on the radio. Uh, the audio quality does get better as the podcast goes along, but that does not detract from what was an amazing, compelling interview, which was so good. We went on for an o- over an hour and a half, and so we split it into two parts, and the next part will come out next week. Uh, Zoom did mean that we have a video of the full thing, which will be going up on our YouTube channel, so make sure you follow us on all the social media uh, so we can let you know when that goes up. And finally, thank you so much for all the love for the last episode on the Red Arrows, which was the most popular top landing gear episode of all time so far. So thanks so much. Over to Jim, who will start us off. This is Top Landing Gear. So welcome to this latest edition of uh, Top Landing Gear Full Flaps. Uh, Today, we're very lucky to be talking to an old friend of mine. Uh, We went through officer training together and then held together at RAF Coningsby for a few months while waiting for training to start. And then we went our separate ways. The next time we saw each other, uh, and I don't know if Dave will remember this, I was uh, on top of a uh, RAF valley and I was on a detachment with my Puma helicopters and I was on top of the cowling of a helicopter trying to fill the hydraulic reservoir through a sick bag as Dave taxied past as <laughs> synchro lead in the Red Arrows. So you can see where oh, right. <laughs> 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 uh, our careers took wrong, very... Dave? Very slightly. I can see the envy as you taxi past, <laughs> wishing it was you with that sick bag full of hydraulic fluid in your hand. Where did so, I go wrong? <laughs> uh, Dave Thomas, uh, great friend of mine, uh, ex-Harrier pilot, ex-Red Arrow synchro lead, and now flying for one of the airlines. Welcome. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me on the uh, the programme. It's a great privilege. Oh, thank you. You may not say uh, that by the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe you said it to begin with. <laughs> so we are um, we're looking at all things Red Arrows this week, and uh, your, your name obviously came immediately to mind. Um, what are your recollections of your time in Red Arrows? I, I assume it's it's all good memories. Yeah, I mean it's um, it's it's a great time. Um, I was amazed I got in. If I'm honest with you, <laughs> I'm really amazed I got in. Um, there are a lot of people go for that job, and um, I got to the end of my kind of second tour um, on the Harrier as a, 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 I was a weapons instructor. Um, Qy is the, is the word. And if I use lots of three-letter abbreviations, please just stop me. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of what what to do next, really. And I wasn't kind of clever enough to be a test pilot. I didn't really want to go on exchange. Um, I kind of wanted a change from being a Harrier pilot, so I applied to join the Reds and. Um, I knew a few of the, the team and it was quite a, quite a, something that kind of appealed. So I applied and uh, amazingly I got in, I, I, you know, to this day, 
uh, <laughs> it, 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 I just can't believe that it all happened. It was a, a real, real um, boy's dream to, to be in the yeah. team, and uh, it's a great honour. I mean, I imagine for most people, just Harrier pilot would be enough, but then <laughs> Harrier QY and then the Red Arrows. And, and I think one of the most amazing things about your career, Dave, is you started day one in the RAF. I think you were, you were an aerial erector or... Um, I was a that? technician. So, yeah, I was. I, I worked on telecommunications. Um, so, yeah, I, went, I, I applied to be a pilot uh, through sixth form and uh, I didn't get in and they said come back in two years. So... In the two years, I kind of joined the Air Force anyway. I thought they, they can have a look at me and I can have a look at them. And I was a telecommunications technician. And I worked uh, at a place called Rudlow Manor uh, yep. near Caution, Melksham and near Bath. So, yeah. and we worked in, a, which is effectively Box Hill, which is Box Hill's et- hollow effectively. Um, yeah. There's a lot of kit down there. And so every morning the ship would go into what was can only described as a small porter cabin and disappear down a <laughs> lift shaft. And all the locals probably, how are all those blokes going on that tiny room? <laughs> and they never come out. So, yeah, so I worked in a, in a box hill for about a year and a half and uh, apl- applied to be a pilot again after the two years. So I applied on day one in that job. Um, yeah. cause that's what I wanted to do. So I yeah. came in off the train where I met you through, from the yeah. Air Force. Yeah. So that just, just shows, to be fair to the Air Force, you know, that somebody who joins... With, with somebody with with the desire to be a pilot who joins in any trade can make it in the end, and and you're you're a great inspiration to guys to um you know to get there. So well done. That's enough. Well, thank you very much. Smoke up your head with real feeling. That's <laughs> 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 the last compliment. Yeah, <laughs> it will be. Um, so can you briefly talk us through the um the selection procedure to become a Red Arrow? Obviously, you you've made fast jets. You've got a lot of time, probably a couple of tours under your belt before you even apply. How do you then go from frontline uh, fast jet pilot to being Red 2? So you, yeah, so it's, it's an application. 30 guys normally apply, two tours two tours on the front line, certain ranks like lieutenants, above average as well as the kind of everything in the Air Force is average. So you have to be above average. <laughs> uh and apply and then the um having seen it from the inside um being a team member I kind of have a bit more of an inside track but from the outside you get a call forward to the shortlist um which are nine nine potential team members go out to cyprus where the team have already been for three weeks and you spend a week with the team you arrive on a thursday uh, from Bryce Norton uh, in a VC-10 and then leave the following Thursday and fly three times a day with the team and rotate round the, the formation. So fly with the boss, then two, then three, then so on. And you get to fly with everyone probably twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a really good good process to find out uh, who's who because by the end of the week, you, can't, you cannot hide anything if you're trying to hide something or but not be yourself, which is the golden rule is just be yourself. Um, yeah. If you're trying to, to, to mass something, you just can't because you're just so tired. A, flying three times a day is quite quite hard. Yeah. And there's, there's inevitably a social aspect to it all, which is <laughs> quite cleverly designed. It's quite clever. So the boys from the squadrons are kind of away from their normal work, out in the sun, having a great time with the team, doing what they you know what, want to do. But um, there's there's a barbecue, there's a seventies night, there's a there's a there's a night in the like the the kebab shop. Um, there's <laughs> golf uh, after the seventies night. Um, it all gets quite heavy by about the Monday, 
I, I, I'm no joke, you know, by the Monday morning, I got into the back seat with somebody I flew with the following year and I said, I am so tired. All you're going to hear from me today is my seat is live, my seat is set, like the ejection seat, you know, my seat is that's all I, I'm just so tired. And by the Thursday, you know, we, we went home. So, um, so everyone gets to know the team and then the team gets to know you. Sorry, do, sorry Dad, um, do you do any actual flying yourself <laughs> on that? Do you do actual yeah, you flying do a, it yourself? Yeah, you, you do a flying test. Um, so after the last trip on one of the days, you go up with the boss and uh, the exec who's like in his third year and you do a flying test, which is two loops, two barrel rolls in close formation. And all they want to see is A, safety and B, progression. That's, that is just a pass or fail test, isn't it, Dave? There's no. It pr- pretty much, pretty much is a pass or fail. Yeah, it's just a steady progression. Um, and everyone watches. You know, everyone's in the bar watching you do your flying test. There's no hiding. It's yeah. all public over over Akrotiri. And there's an interview uh, with the, the team leader, who was the Boston squadron at the time, uh, the commandant of CFS, and the wing commander from the Central Flying School, who kind of. Uh, supervises the team through through the season. So there are two formal aspects to it. The rest of it's flying with the boys and girls, uh, as it was, and, uh, you know, hanging out and just go-kart racing. There's there's loads of social things which are kind of designed. So you get to see the whole uh, whole team, really, work and play. And um, they get to know you very well um, just, just through that process. So it's really clever. Would you say the selection... The selection is much about personality as it is about flying skill, or more so. Um, yeah, it's got to be personality. You've got to, because in the season, um, you're with everybody very closely. You know, you, you it's it's a quite a you know it's quite a challenging environment. Just technically flying the aeroplane, it's quite hard to do, and with all the pressure that comes with. You know, being the public face of the Air Force, you have to kind of get on with everybody uh, in the team and, and not just the flying, but also the engineers and everybody that goes with it. So you've got to be like a team player and kind of mix in. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely personality as well as the flying. Dave, at that point, how many people would get cut from the programme, as it were, based on mm, he's not going to fit in, he's a great pilot, but he's got too much ego or he's just not a team player? How much would that influence a final decision? Do you think um, a final decision? So, so having seen it now on on the kind of selecting side, if you like, it it is down to both its personality and and it's very fine lines we're talking here. It's not very wide margin between the guys who are on the short list. Um, it's quite hard sometimes to get it down to to three, uh, which is the normal kind of rotation so every year three leave and every year three join so imagine it's quite think about that in itself like a third of the workforce leaves and a third of the work a new workforce joins but the standard's got to be the same that's quite that's quite that's quite hard work to turn around in a, in a business i would suggest so in in my year when i joined it was a team leader who was changing so there was only two guys from the shortlist who joined so Oh, wow. Which is why it's yeah you know, every third year it's only, there's only two guys. It's slightly different than years gone by. So my, yeah, so it was a new leader who was Spike, and then me and, and a, a guy called John Green who got selected. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a bit of both, uh, Jez. It's it's personality and 
and certainly flying ability. But the guys who come to the shortlist can can fly an aeroplane, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's very fine lines. You know, it's uh, it's it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to decide. Um, and it's it's done over a couple of nights, um, and it's very honest. It's a very honest process. There's no there's no uh, there's nobody. If, if you have something to say, you can say it, and everyone listens to your point of view. And generally, um, you know, it's it's the right it's the right decision. And when, when you're out there for that that week of looking at the, the team in Cyprus, is there much competition between you as as shortlist guys? I mean, you obviously know you're all fighting for a number of, of positions, but I assume you have to get on anyway. Yeah, the shortlist get on. Um, you know, we're, we're all aware there's only a limited slot, so there's there's no rivalry as such. You know, we we all kind of get on as as short the shortlist and. Some some guys are there on the second or the third shortlist. You know, there was I'm pretty sure there was a, there was a chap there on his second or third shortlist. Um, oh. And there was a guy there on a shortlist who didn't get in that year. I got in, and then he got in the following year. So it some guys come back for a, two or three goes, and that's you know that's quite a, quite a big challenge. You know, to to go through it two or three times and yeah. um, keep keep at it. But um, sometimes you know guys on the shortlist, and you know they might you know the you might see some of that they they didn't realise before, but generally the shortlist kind of know why they're there, and there's no rivalry as such. Um, yeah. It's just healthy banter, you know. If anyone makes a mistake, <laughs> like, ah, like, oh my god, he's not going to get in. Like, what an idiot! <laughs> And I think it's it's those early days when you've got new members and things. That's when you realise actually how difficult it is what you do. Because when it all goes smoothly, like like any job, it looks easy. It's only when you see the rough edges you realise what the real difficulties and demands are. Yeah, you're, you're right. It, it is. I, I found it, even though I was on the right-hand side, and it's meant to be really easy on the right-hand side. Um, <laughs> Why? This is well. Well, if you remember um, flying and formation, you would control the throttle with your left hand and the stick with your right hand. Yeah, and yeah. you naturally naturally would look. I, I'm doing it now to you subconsciously. I'm like <laughs> looking left. So you, you kind of look. I've done it like a three. So you look left across. You like naturally in the aeroplane, you would be like that, wouldn't you? Naturally looking to that that way, which is on the right. Looking this way. It's yeah. this is all out here, and I'm looking that way. It just doesn't feel right, you know. It's like doing this, you know, this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So naturally, naturally through training, on the right was easy. I found it easier, but yeah. you know, yeah. apparently steady. So on the right, um, with so the, the new guys joined close to the leader. So two even numbers on the right, odd numbers on the left. Uh, forgive me if I'm teaching you what you already know. So two and three right next to the boss. So you can see all of the references, the formation references. And there's various formation references for different shapes. So there's no excuse for not being on the reference because it's, it's there right it's, you know, it's there. You know, there's no excuse. Whereas the second and third years, they're kind of can be 30 feet away from the boss, right down there. They sometimes can't see the boss. So they're kind of going off for the feel and, you know, that looks about right. And they've done it so many times before they can, that's why you move further away. You don't formate on the person inside from you. You always formate on the leader. That's that's the plan. Yeah, it's the only stable platform in the formation. So it's all off the boss. Everything's off the uh, boss. So it's two. Right. I was I was right next to him. Forgive my hands, but yeah. you could see all the references <laughs> in my first year. It's just 
it's really hard, you know, and it's just, so you'll start off um, looping and rolling as a three. So me, uh, John Green, who's three, and the boss, we would just loop and roll and do our work down from, I think we started at 5,000 feet, looping and rolling, and then we came down to 300 feet over a period of two weeks. Oh. That's, a, that's a requirement. Oh. Yeah. So that's the work down for the, for, so you've got to go through that process. So you start looping and rolling at 5,000 feet and then 3,000 feet and then two and then one and then down to 300 feet. So the ground becomes quite, you're quite um, aware of the ground as you get down to the lower, because you've never done it before. And even before you get looping and rolling, you kind of go through a, a workup with uh, training on the Hawk to teach you how to land the aeroplane from various points in the show should the engine fail. And you never get to see that during Valley because they just you just don't do that as a student going through mm. advanced flying. So it's that kind of advanced flying of the Hawk. And uh, two instructors from the Central Flying School would teach you these things. And it's kind of amazing what you can make the aeroplane do. So, yeah, I had, I had some pretty sleepless nights in my first year in, in the winter workup, <laughs> I can tell you. Yeah, God. No joke. And, and so you're, it all culminates in, in forming together as a nine ship and then the, completing the whole show. Uh, and then you yeah. get your AOC's approval uh, at some so, point. Yeah. So we normally start flying in the September as, as a three, a four, a five, and then Synchro will do their own thing while all that's going on. <clears throat> and it normally comes together about the February time in the UK, uh, right. flying nine. Eventually it all comes together. The, the formations, the timing between the boss and Synchro, that has to be correct. And then we'll go into a nine. We normally do that on a on a on a, a weekday at Scampton. And then that once we're in the nine, we always stay in the nine. And then we'll take the uh, the whole squadron to Cyprus in uh, early April. I think forget it's like <laughs> so long ago now. I think it's early April. But we stay there for six <laughs> weeks, and that's where it all comes together. So yeah. good weather, uh, various uh, sites for the show. So you don't always have the luxury of a, a ten thousand foot runway. So there's cliffs, uh, there's beaches, there's uh, uh, display datums where it's off the runway. You know, you d so sometimes you, you're not always flying down the runway, but it's a massive, massive like yeah. magnet. You, you know, you want to fly, but so sometimes you come in a yeah. different angle. So it just replicates what goes on in the UK and Europe and under the world, really. You not always have a, an air show, an airfield to fly down. So, you know, cliff sites can be really challenging on the south coast, like Lyme Regis, um, uh, all, all of those uh like Eastbourne, all, all of the big shows on the South Coast, they're quite challenging because it's over the sea. So we do a lot of that in Cyprus. So, yeah, and the the, 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 uh, the, the big chief comes out, uh, CNC comes out for the last week. He spends a week with the team, hangs out, flies, yeah. watches, from the sh watches it from the ground. We do different shows, full flat rolling, change the formation in the show. So he, he or she can um, deem us safe to be uh, public, go public. And that's when... We fly the, uh, the the PDA, which is the public display approval. Um, and after, after that show, after that after that display, normally in the morning, uh, debrief. They they'll say that we're clear to go public, and we leave the de the debrief, put the red flying suits on, and then from there we stay in red flying suits. It's a big day actually for your first one. Yeah, it's fairly symbolic, I'd imagine. Um, now about the time that uh, I think you were there, may, may, I may have the timing wrong, but. I remember the the red arrows were always very much. It was the the, the main nine, and then they split into the synchro pair and the seven. Yeah. And then at some point they then 
when I think it was going back to using Enid and Jippo and, and having the, the three or four different aspects. Was that during your time uh, during the, with the Reds? So, yeah, so that, that evolution happened before my time. But see, I, I would, so as six in my last year, I would lead the back four. So that's six, right. seven, eight, and nine. So we're all in our yeah. second and third year. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that we would split in the second half of the show into sometimes three elements. Um, the boss, Lee Neenid, and eight and nine, and me and seven would be doing our thing. And then eight and nine would join me and seven, and we'd then do our own thing. And then that's the choreography between uh, the main the main formation. And I think it was Ray Hanna back in the 68, he, he kind of said the, the crowd should have no time to lick their ice cream. You know, there should be always something, always something happening. And that, that's the that's the hard bit between one and six yeah. is to make the timing work. And that's where you nail the timing patterns in the winter and when we go to Cyprus to make sure they're absolutely robust. So you can switch between a full show, rolling, flat. And the timings are slightly different. And you've got to think about the wind as well. So that's the magic to what, the boss and six do is to, to to make the timings work so there's no gap that's 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 the key to it there's no gap at all dave if you um are unlucky enough to lose a, an aircraft either before or during the show for a technical reason then um can you reformat do you do you have protocols so say red two goes down you can instantly reform there's a there's a, there's a yeah. protocol for every eventuality of losing an aircraft either before or during the show? Yeah, so that, that's a really good question because um, it's quite a complicated plan. So there's, it's called, well, it's called the loser plan. So if someone loses, I, they, they're not going to fly. And that can be on the ground or in the air. In the air, it's, it's slightly more difficult to choreograph because that person might have an emergency, so a technical problem. So they, they would have to land or disappear. So that would take some time. But if it's on the ground, yeah, the whole the whole formation would pick up the loser plan for whoever it would be losing, and that would also change the smoke plan because everyone uses the smoke at different times. Sometimes you smoke, sometimes you don't smoke, and if someone's missing, you have to pick up their smoke plan, and it, it and with the colours as well, it can get quite complicated. And that's not only that's not only for us in the team, but it's also Red 10 on the ground, who's the, you know, the on-site supervisor looking after the safety. If someone, say there's nine and normally, and someone forgets to press the smoke button, he would make a, a radio call to that person, say, check smoke. And if they've not put it on, they would say a word. And if they, they have put it on, but it's not working, they would say match, which means the other person on the other side of the formation would match their high lack of smoke so to make it look symmetrical. So 10 needs to know what the loser plan is. So he needs to know what the smokes are for the show. So, for example, um, taxing out at Cold Roads, and I was two, and Red 3 went US. So he, I, think he's, I think his headset broke in his helmet. So he couldn't, he couldn't talk. So he taxied back to, to the apron and shut down. So it's now a three-out show on the runway. So we're just about to launch. It's now a three out show and it's, it's you know, it's about <laughs> nine pages of A4 for each, <laughs> each, each option, like a two out show, three out show, four out show, five. 
if the boss is out, we don't, you know, we clearly don't fly, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is quite complicated to lose a plan. And also the normal smoke plan is quite complicated because I think there's two and a half minutes of the coloured smoke and there's five minutes of the white smoke. So you can't have red on all the time in the second half because you're just going to run out. You've got to, have blue, yeah. you've got to kind of limit the smoke. So the smoke plan is quite complicated as well. So, yeah, there's, there's quite a lot to the choreography. But I think I think in one of the other shows, Jez, you mentioned Lancarwi, this uh, big show, and we went we went out there in two thousand and three for the Lancarwi show, and during during that time, um, the guy who was flying Red Three had to go home because his wife was having a baby, which is you know you got to see that. So he he left he left Lancarwi. I mean, getting out to Lancarwi is, is a whole podcast in itself, but we're in Lancarwi. <laughs> That's and, a good um, thing, isn't it? It's quite a big journey, yeah. It was quite a long way. Um, I, I can give you the list if you want to, but we're in Lancarwi and we've got Red Three's now gone home. We've got some big shows to do um, on on the way back, like in Bahrain in front of the Crown Prince and you know stuff like that. So what what we did was we redesigned the whole show with eight with the shapes to make them look symmetrical, so there wasn't like a missing person. So. I, I remember being on the left as nine at one point in, in, in a loop. It's just like, what am I doing? I normally like, I was synchro. So it was all a bit, bit bizarre for me. So we did another, while we're out in Lankawi, we did another public, dis- public display approval in front of the commandant of CFS to make sure that interim show was suitable for the public. So, yeah, we redesigned that show for, with eight and we had another smoke plan with with that as well so there was like two shows kind of going on um but you know talking about it now you know <laughs> it sounds very complicated but while you're there in the team you kind of pick it up very quickly i can't believe the fact you've managed to get malaya into the podcast <laughs> without even any prompts at all well malaysia no <laughs> I can tell you, Dave. Hey, for God's sake, don't start. Malaysia in 1963, <laughs> uh, before that it was Malaysia. So when we were there, it was it was Malaysia, and um, what a marvellous country. Um, <laughs> Dave, it, it is staggering to hear all that because one of the questions I, I was going to ask is how do you remember everything from move to move? Because the the calls from the from the leader during the display are by necessity extremely minimal. So you just know what your next move is going to be. So in normal circumstances, how do you keep track of that? But when you're an aircraft down and it's a, it's a slightly changed formation, that is a, a new ball game altogether, isn't it? It is, yeah. And, um, you, you know, dro- dropping into the team, it's a bit daunting, to be honest with you. You think, how the hell am I going to, there's just no way, you know, it's just, it's, it's just saying so impossible, but you do learn very quickly because a you have to, uh, and b you do it a lot. So it's three times a day, and you, and, and you get, get you get fairly good continuity plus or minus the UK weather. So when it comes to so fast forward now to February when we fly the first nine ship, you know the show inside out in your head, and you know exactly what the boss is going to say at what point, and and you get a feeling for the intonation. It becomes. You look at like strictly come dancing, like how the hell, how does how does he remember all that? You know all the steps. It's like a dance. <laughs> you know, it's like a dance around the air. If you like, you just remember the steps. You know all the formation moves. You know how it feels. You know when the G comes on. You know what. 
the boss will say might be bumpy. Um, so you know exactly how it's going to go in the show. And, and you, you get to the point in the, in the season where you can tell from the intonation on people's voices on the radio how well it's going. So we know we're having a good show where you can just tell. It becomes almost slow motion, you know, um, when it's really smooth and calm. Um, yeah, it can be like in, when it when it's not calm, it's it's frenetic. It's just it's just unbel- you know, like big big and hill, for example. But you know, when we fly big and hill, invariably that's a flat show because of the airspace above. So we can't kind of loop and roll into Lon- the London airspace because the airline is going into. It. So it's generally flat means that you're in you're in the weeds. So it's very bumpy, especially if it's windy. And I remember, you know, in 2002, it was two flying big and hell. I was just hanging on to grim death under the bottom. Just like, this is just, <laughs> this is just crazy. You know, it's just like, how the hell are we surviving? Because it was just so bumpy. And I, but, you know, the, the, the days where, you know, the winter training in the UK comes to, comes, comes in handy because it's like that in the UK a lot. But do you have any visual cues at all in, in your cockpit? Do you have a list on your, on your, knee pad of uh, what next move is presumably you can't ever look at it anyway if you had one no no i'm uh, during the show i'm uh, literally only looking at the boss uh, you get a periphery of what's going on around you and you you know but as as two in my first year i literally looked at the boss uh, for the first half and the second half when it you slightly let off the leash with some of the maneuvers um like the vertical break and rollbacks and we did a maneuver called the twizzle which was mm. I think I got that right once. <laughs> and it was just, what, what happened when no, you didn't it was, get it right? It was just such a proud day. <laughs> <laughs> that was a highlight. I got the twizzle. So the twizzle we don't do anymore. There's like the hashtag bring back the twizzle. I think. Just oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we should bring back the twizzle if the boys are listening. Um, so it was, it, what happens if I didn't get it right? What is the variations of not getting it? So everything we strive for perfection, you're striving for the perfect show. So if it's not quite right, if it's not quite right, that's kind of not getting it right. So um, I just get a look, you know, like a <laughs> shake of the head from the other guy. Like, <laughs> it's hard. It's just hard. And the twizzle was just hard. Yeah. And of the of the shows you could do, the, the rolling, the full show and the flat show, did you prefer to do always the full show if you could? Was that a, a nicer show to fly? Or did, was yeah. there any sort of... Yeah, I preferred. So the full show, I just think, looks better for the people on the ground. Um, uh, the, you know, pictures look far better. You know, it just... And also, flying on the wing, you, you get out of a lot of the turbulence. Um, so you go up and you, it kind of gets smoother um so you get a respite for like 30 seconds until you come back down to the weeds and so places like duxford and that's the other part of the the, the team that people might not realize and in in the show one of the second or third years is what's called navving the show so that means they're navigating the show so we in the formation are talk, talking to each other on a uhf frequency but the nav will be talking to an air trafficker on a VHF separate box. So they're having two conversations in the show. So generally there's a dedicated controller, certainly at Duxford, to look after the airspace. So if there's any intruders, they'll tell us. So normally in the show, they're very quiet. But in at Duxford, Biggin Hill and, and places underneath the London TMA, um, if there's no airline traffic, 
they'll release the airspace for a minute and they'll say you can go full in the next minute. So the nav will say to the boss, boss, you can go full. So we'll start flat and maybe if we get the airspace, the boss will say we're going full and then we'll loop and then we might go flat rolling. So it depends on the airspace changing. So that's, that's a really hard job to do for somebody, you know, back down the formation, they're navving, talking to a controller and different, we're not, I'm not hearing it. <laughs> I'm just listening to the chat. You know, I, I can listen to it if I want to, but it's a bit of a distraction because it's not relevant to me. So, but the nav has to listen to it. And also they're, they're formating with a boss. So um, I thought that was quite clever. You know, we'd often start flat and then go full and then go rolling and then go, you know, and I, I think, I think the Reds is the only team in the world who can switch between different shows. Well, how, how, that was another thing I was going to ask you, because uh, that seems, in my experience, to happen quite often, that you will change mid-display. How on earth do you get everything together there? Because, again, you've, you've got your sequences in your head of what you're going to do. What's the instruction from the leader that you're going full or going rolling or going flat? And, and how do you yeah. then adapt the display, all nine of you staying absolutely in formation, doing what you're supposed to do? So each each... Each nine ship has a different option, uh, full, full show, flat show, rolling show. So you practice those. So you know which, which each one is. Um, so you could do a full flat show, you know, sorry, a complete flat show, a complete rolling show, a complete full show. And then you learn to switch between the, the, each one. Um, so running into, into a site, um, the boss would normally, uh, send one of the the eight or nine up up to the cloud base to find out what the cloud base is running into the show. So we've got an idea what the cloud ten, ten would give us an idea as well on the ground of the wind and the weather. And we'd normally get a cloud base check running in, so we know we've got if we've got the airspace, we can loop and stay clear of cloud because we know what the weather is. But the, the weather changes uh, quite quickly. So if the weather changes, the boss will decide and it's down to the boss or synchro. They can go flat, um, to decide whether to go full or rolling or flat. And they'll call that on the, at, at certain points, it's kind of key points in the show where that decision is made, Rob. So, um, so we arrived, I think in 2002 with a barrel roll into the site and then we bent it into either a loop or a bend. So as we went out, for the first bend, the boss would say, we're going full or we're staying flat or we're going rolling. And that would be acknowledged by two. So they would say two on the radio. So that, that would be the boss's decision based on the weather at the time. And it can change quite quickly. Um, so for example, um, this is probably the worst moment of my Air Force career because I can remember it now. We're at St. Andrews, the Royal and Ancient Golf Course their 250th anniversary night or week so they had a few dinners that that night so we're we're there for a show and it's their 250th anniversary prince andrew is stood it at, he's the guest of honor he's the captain of the club i think at the time everyone's there from the rna every and i play i play golf I play, we play a lot of golf in the reds i play golf so i it kind of i felt i felt the I felt the pressure of the occasion. You know, this is this is a big gig. All right, it's a big gig. So we took off from uh, Lucas, just up the road, and it's a lovely evening, four or five o'clock in the evening. And then we were going to go to the dinner that night. So we're going to land, change, black tie, go to dinner. So four in the afternoon, five in the afternoon, sun just starting to set, 
And uh, the full, it was a full show, cast, you know, cast iron, full show. We're looping in the first half, and I'm, I'm six, thinker leader, thinking, this is great. It's a full show for the 250. This is what could go wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry to do this to you, but we're going to leave it there. Next week, Dave relives his favourite moments with the Red Arrows. He lets us into a top secret they use called the Fudge. We talk about the future of the Red Arrows and he answers some listeners' questions. And you can find out what exactly did go wrong. Thanks again for listening to Top Landing Gear. Please tell your friends. We'll see you next week. This is Top Landing Gear.